Welcome to the Defense and Aerospace Reports JADC2 podcast sponsored by L3 Harris. I'm your host, Vago Maradian. The Pentagon's leading modernization priority has been the Joint All-Domain Command and Control System, better known as JADC2, to better integrate the military services to augment their ability to project power. The Biden administration has shaped a new joint vision, but each of the military services are charting their own course toward achieving the ultimate JADC2 vision. Last week, we covered the Navy League's annual sea airspace, conference and trade show outside Washington, D.C., where we met up with Sean Stackley, a former assistant secretary of the Navy for research development and acquisition, who is now the president of L3 Harris Technologies Integrated Mission Systems segment to discuss the Pentagon's JADC2 plan. Before we get started, our daily podcast is sponsored by Bell. Our global coverage is sponsored by Leonardo DRS. Northrop Grumman sponsors our weekly cyber report and our cyber coverage overall General Atomics Aeronautical Systems sponsors our coverage of strategy, and GM Defense sponsors our technology coverage. And HII sponsored our coverage at Sea Airspace, and Bell sponsored our coverage of the Army Aviation Association of America's annual conference in Nashville, Tennessee. Here's our conversation with Sean Stackley. Sean, thanks very much for uh, taking time to talk to us uh, at this uh, busy uh, Navy League. Um, I want to start off with uh, JADC2. Obviously, uh, that's uh, one of the Pentagon's top priorities, the Joint All-Domain Command and Control System. Uh, I should say, you know, thank you. You guys do sponsor us for this series of JADC2 conversations that we've been having over the course of the year. Um, where are we right now in trying to exi- uh, execute something which was important to your generation of leaders as well as it is to a new generation of leaders on how we can get the services together to work together in an integrated fashion? The uh, administration has released its plan, its blueprint, but it still looks like it's a fractured blue, uh, blueprint, that each of the services are going to do their own thing and then try to interconnect them. What's your sense as somebody who was scarred repeatedly with joint programs where each of the services was trying to bring their pieces to this, MUOS being one of those programs, right? Where are we right now and have we set the conditions for industry to succeed ultimately in delivering against uh, what the requirement and the goal is? Yeah, thanks, Vago. Uh, Let me first, uh, rather than talk about the differences across the services in terms of how they approach JADC2, what, what has changed over the years is a couple of things. One, as we talk about the near-peer threat, as we look at China and uh, the problem that China uh, poses to the, serv- to the joint force, a couple of things. Our, our forward forces, as good as they are in terms of capability, in order to provide that, you hear it in the National Defense Strategy now, integrated deterrence, the joint force has to be better connected. Has to be better connected. We have thousands of sensors operating forward. We have a number of shooters able and willing to put ordnance on target. But the winning theme has got to be connecting those sensors, processing the information forward so you're putting ordnance on the right target at the right time, and then passing that back then through command and control to the shooters. So it's that connectivity across the array of sensors that are operating forward from the overhead to the bottom of the sea, connecting those through command and control to the, to the shooters. That, that element of integrated deterrence provides uh, an asymmetric advantage for our forces. Now, the challenge in the past, one of the challenges in the past has been technology. 
While the vision has always been there, net-centric warfare as an example that goes back a couple of decades, the vision has always been there, but our ability to actually link it together has relied upon technology getting to that, that point. And if you think about the amount of information, you hear data, you think about the amount of data that needs to be passed back and forth, it's that ability to process the data, process it forward, that enables the force to operate more jointly. So that's, that's the battle problem, that's the compelling need, and that's the enabler in terms of technology that's allowed JADC2 to rise in terms of a priority for not just the services, but the, the combatant commanders. So are we on the right track in being able to deliver to that vision? Because uh, it is integral, we will get more of our forces if they're better interconnected. But the challenge and the concern is that each of the services is going to do their own thing, and then we're going to try to connect them. And you and I, when we've talked over this journey, the better we figure out those connective pipes early on, the higher our chance for having success, right? A absolutely. Now, um, the services are all starting at a at a different starting point than Wayne Meyer used to say, you begin where you're at. And so it's, it's all well and good to try to arrive quickly at the JAD seat, the joint Ultimate Command and Control, but you have to start where you're at. And so the, the services are at a different starting point. They are talking to each other because there's this overarching architecture that everybody wants to drive to, but in the meantime, I don't believe that the services can wait for the overarching architecture to be done and all the protocols to be agreed upon and all the standards to be written down to start moving in that direction. So I think you're seeing two things going on. Mm -hmm. In the background, and a part of this is me trusting, in the background you have the, uh, the, the, the service eights, the service sixes working together with OSD, arriving on a, a, an OV1 for an architecture that talks to JADC2 and all the standards and, and uh, uh, protocols that are going to be required. But in the foreground, what you have is the services starting to move out, beginning where they're at. And I'm, I'm biased, okay, and I'm proud of my bias in terms of the Navy's approach. But I think the Navy's approach is extraordinarily practical. I think uh, Admiral Small, uh, working from Spaywar, the right uh, agent to be leading the effort, working across the systems commands and with the combatant commanders, and uh, again, beginning where he is at, looking at a battle group by battle group deployment uh, cycle where each battle group, beginning with Theodore Roosevelt, goes out more connected than a battle group prior. And so it's incremental in nature. I think that's the right approach. It manages risk and it moves quickly in the right direction. And so whatever, however you measure our JADC2 capability today, I know that TR will be better. And I know that the battle group after TR will be better than that. So it's incremental, pointing in the right direction, continually improving, while separately, the, the, uh, the joint force is working on that end state. What is the end state? And honestly, I don't think you ever get there. I think it's gonna be a continual move on a particular vector that improves the warfighting capability of the force. But like I say, TR should be better than her predecessor and the battle group coming after TR will be better than TR and it's uh, that will do that will do what the Navy needs to do as it's as a component of the joint force in terms of providing that connectivity that lethality um, and where do you see uh, where the army uh, uh, excuse me army and Air Force are and are you comfortable that 
in the direction we're all moving under the guidance of Lieutenant General Kral, who's been working this uh, from J6, that we're going to end up get, you know, so give us an update on where you see the Air Force and the Army and then how everybody plays into that integrated vision to try to get there because ultimately your ability to succeed for your customer is predicated on whether or not the rules for success exist there. Yeah, I'll start with the with the Air Force. Uh, the Air Force, uh, its initiative ABMS, Advanced Battle Management System, uh, its instantiation of JADC2 was launched with a lot of activity in terms of concepts, white papers that would ultimately lead to demonstrations, development, but uh, uh, when Secretary Kendall stepped in, uh, he, he did what I thought was the right thing. He pushed the pause button and said, well, hold on a second, before we march off in a number of different directions, on a very, this is a large complex problem. This is not, this, we make it simple on OV1s, but this is a large complex problem. So he pushed the pause button to understand what direction do we need to head in. We got to make sure, you know, focused on China, that, that threat, Let's make sure that our efforts are aligned to that threat and that we're not spending a lot of time spinning in technological do-loops when what we really need to be doing is making progress. So I, I think that that pause was critical. I think he's got everybody understanding that we really do need to have the right endpoint in mind before we spend energy and he's getting folks aligned accordingly. So they appeared to have been out in front with the early ABMS activity. I think uh, realistically, uh, maybe in terms of thought leadership, uh, they might have been, but they weren't making progress. I think what uh, Secretary Kendall has gotten them done, is, has, has accomplished, is getting them aligned and organized to actually start to make real progress on that ABMS path. And I do know that the Air Force and Navy, they have ongoing dialogues because now that they have their, their uh, inside their lane initiatives going, they do want to make sure that they connect with each opportunity that they get going d down the path. Uh, Army's Project Convergence, uh, again, er early, uh, uh, early activity with some progress, but uh, they, uh, their demonstrations have proven to be uh, pretty impressive. Uh, uh, General McConville uh, has, has spoken out about it, uh, which does a couple things. One, he's being kept informed. Two, he's made it a priority, so he's making sure it happens. But their approach is, hey, we've got a large force. We have a lot of things that need to be connected. And what they need to be doing is demonstrating their concepts before they scale up to the Army-sized force. So three different approaches, uh, each, I think, each appropriate considering their starting point, but your point that that the J and JADC2 cannot be a silent J. There's got to be a, a strategy for uh, aligning these and connecting these because the fight is going to be a joint fight. Uh, do you see uh, that connective tissue there, right? I mean, not to bring MUOS up, but here is a constellation. You were launching satellites. The Army was going to develop radios. You launched the satellites. The radios didn't come. You lost 10 years of satellite life by the time you're deploying uh, the, the capability as it should exist, right? From your standpoint, do we have the right work done at an OSD level? And is there that top-down oversight to make sure that all the cats stay herded at least in, this, in the right corner of the room, or at least the right room, let's put it that way. Well, well first you started by saying not to bring Jed, uh, not to bring Muos up, and then you brought Muos up. But uh, Muos today is a success story. It was just it, uh, slow getting out of the starting blocks. And we need to learn from Muos and other similar uh, initiatives. Uh, there was a program before JADC2, much simpler, called Single Integrated Air Picture, SIAP. And that was OSD's attempt to get the, the services 
uh, air picture aligned so that there was one, that the, the combatant commander was looking at one air picture in order to, to fight the fight. Uh, that, that proved uh, a challenge technically and organizationally. And I think uh, there were a lot of lessons to be learned from that. And uh, OSD, and I, I, I cannot tell you today um, uh, the, the leadership that OSD is providing on JADC2. I know that between OSD and the Joint, uh, the, uh, uh, joint Chiefs, that they are in fact providing that stewardship, but you don't see it in the individual services initiatives. So I, um, uh, there, there, there has to be um, an endpoint that people are driving to across the services. It's gonna be technical as well as operational. Uh, in order to get there quickly, there's got to be overarching leadership provided by uh, uh, the Joint Chiefs and by OSD just for alignment, if nothing else, while the services move out within their own components of the, the Joint Force. Um, would you, what, what do you think the keys to success are, right? So even if the firmness of that guidance does not now exist maybe in the way that we would like it to exist, um, what are the things that from your vast experience are the things that we need to be doing and the things that industry must be bearing in mind so that we all arrive at the right finish line or at least as close to the finish line as joined up as we can be? Yeah, so um, a, cu a couple of things. Uh, first, JSC2 is not a program, it's a capability. And it's going to be fielded through a, a number of programs. Uh, and I think, I'll go back to the Navy's approach, incremental, I think it's got to be incremental. If somebody's imagining that there's a big bang JSC2 th thing here, it's going to have an IOC date, that's not going to happen. And so, uh, incremental approach, I believe is the exact right approach. Uh, you have to solve the technical first. This is, this is a tough, tough problem technically as well as operationally. And so solving that technical problem is going to require the best minds, not just inside the government, but of industry. And if I was going to have one ask, I think, I think the more that the government engages with industry in solving this problem, all of industry, the faster, better the government will get there, the, the, uh, the joint force. So incremental engage, uh, greater engagement across the board in terms of government and industry, no big bang. It, the, uh, ultimately, things like architecture, standards, and protocols, uh, they sound bureaucratic, but they are necessary. If everybody's not building to the same architecture, then you'll have a disconnected system when all is done. And then prioritizing. You know, uh, there's, a, there's a large number of systems that get connected across JADC2 and you have to prioritize. And if you look at, uh, if you look at the, uh, the fight itself, not, not every platform and every sensor needs to be connected right away. But there are some sensors that will be very early on to the left of bang that you want connected as best as possible. And then that connection has to go through the force that's gonna be you know, putting ordnance on target. And then you can build out. You can build out. I mean, t today, I, you know, the one thing that we know is, uh, you know, we, we know what the tactical aircraft are that are going to be involved. We, we, you know, we also know there are going to be tankers involved, okay? And tanking is going to be a big part of the problem, the, the battle problem. Well, by God, that tanker is a node in the network. So that tanker needs to ultimately get plugged into JADC2. We know every platform, sensor, the ordnance in flight 
you know, today we're working with, uh, with the Navy on uh, putting packages inside of, of uh, weapon systems in flight so they can be continual, in continual communication based on target updates that are be being provided by offboard sensors. So tough problem, incremental, begin where you're at, uh, uh, work, uh, engage broadly in terms of the technical community inside the government and uh, uh, in industry and uh, you know persistence. If you know false starts, if there are a lot of false starts, people, JADC2 will lose its momentum. How important are data standards and cyber standards to building this, right? Because you're talking about connecting more things than ever together. But ultimately, the more things we connect, the more we find that actually we have, we're adding vulnerabilities, not taking them away. And I know the Jake, the Joint Artificial Intelligence Center, has been working data standards. How important are the data standards and cyber standards for this uh, JATC2 network? Well, they're, they're absolutely critical. I mean, they're foundational to the network. Today, we have data standards across the systems that are connected. And one of the challenges are, is that uh, the data standards are, the number of systems that we're trying to connect are too broad. And so we, in order to get them to connect uh, across various data links, various sensors, et cetera, then those standards have to be common. And so today we don't have a common data standard across the systems. So that has to be solved. That's part of, you know, that's gonna be a pacing element for rolling out JADC2. Budget. What do you see that is encouraging or potentially problematic in the budget in terms of achieving uh, JADC to Nirvana from your standpoint, right? I mean, because at the end of the day, if you don't resource it, resourcing shows priorities and ultimately resourcing helps you develop and field faster. Well, I, uh, first, I see the services putting the money behind the initiative. So unlike the early years when there was um, rhetoric about JADC2, you could not see the money in the budget. Now, two things. One, there are specific dollars that are plugged against JADC2, ABMS, Project Overmatch, Project Convergence. But more importantly, inside of the programs that actually get connected, you also see funding that allows those programs to move forward that provide the ultimate capability. So it's the dollars in the existing programs plus dollars that are going to the connectivity. And uh, last question, uh, at uh, Navy League, uh, L3Harris announced the Agile uh, Development Group. Talk to us a little bit, I mean, it's, it's, un, it's in your, uh, uh, you know, under your purview. What are you guys trying to achieve with that uh, capability? Yeah, very simply, first, we're very excited. Uh, the Agile Development Group, you know, this started as a, uh, I'll call it a couple of businesses inside of L3Harris that were really breaking, breaking ground in terms of moving quickly, developing advanced next-generation technologies that are going right after the critical capabilities that the warfighter is looking for. So we have a number of, of contracts and projects that were breaking ground, breaking path. And it's like this needs to be the model for L3 Harris. So step one was to align our, our, our capabilities inside of the company, inside of ADG, get that aligned, then flow resources, uh, uh, flow funding, provide access so that the, this ADG element has reached across the 20,000 engineers at L3 Harris to go right after the key problems that they're working with today on with the, the, the service customers. Sean, thanks very much Fairwinds following CEs and uh, looking forward to uh, following up with the uh, ADG team uh, soon. Thanks so much. Thank you, Valgo.